This is an Ion Annapolis bonus podcast. Today we are talking with an eight times Grammy nominee, multi-platinum artist who has been making music since she dropped out of NYU back in the late 80s and a handful of years later had a Grammy-nominated song that hit number four on the Billboard charts and really never looked back. But Joan Osborne, welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? I am psyched, man. I'll tell you, I have to say I'm excited to talk to you and uh, more excited to see you when you're here at the Rams Head in Annapolis on November 10th. And I did just take a peek at their website and there are a few tickets left for for those that are listening. You want an amazing night of music and entertainment? Ramsheadonstage.com is where you need to go. But actually, it's actually funny because we do have some friends in common. Way back when, when I was in Philadelphia, I worked in a club that was owned by Steve Mountain, who at the time managed Mm. Eric and the Hooters. And I know I know Eric and his wife Sarah pretty well, and uh, he was one of the guys that wrote your um, your breakout song. Yeah, well, we we wrote that entire record together, and uh, actually, Eric wrote the the hit single "What If God Was One of Us." He he woke up from a dream where he had heard the song in a dream, and he ran downstairs and made a, a demo of it on his four track, and uh, he had it in mind that he would send it to that band the crash test dummies you know yeah. the guy with the uh, super low voice yeah <laughs> yeah he had it in mind that that guy would be singing the song and so when he did his demo he he used this very sort of dirgy low voice um and he brought it into the studio the next day and played it for us and he was like hey check out what i just wrote and i was like oh that's cool um and the producer rick chertoff was like you know you should really let jones sing that song Um, and I was like, oh no, he wants it for this other band. It's fine. But Rick was very insistent. And, you know, I, at first I kind of couldn't wrap my head around it because it was, you know, Eric's version was this very sort of dirgy, like a Leonard Cohen style vocal. And I couldn't really see where, you know, where I would take it, but I spent a little time with it and connected with the lyrics. And, and I felt like the lyric was coming from this very innocent place. You know, it's almost like, one of those questions that a little kid will come up and, you know, tug on your shoulder and ask you a question and, and, uh, you know, you have no idea. (laughs) It's, it's not a question that you have thought about in your adult life, but like my daughter used to ask me, mommy, when did time start? Oh, wow. Those kind of like, like a question that a little child will ask trying to make sense of the world and knowing basically nothing. Um, and to me, it sounded like it sounded like that kind of a question in the center of the song. So I, I tried to approach my performance of it in this very innocent way. And, uh, and that's how, uh, that's how that record kind of came to be. Well, obvi- obviously it works. Well, uh, you know, you were out on a somewhat of a mini tour for November. I imagine you're getting back home for mm-hmm. the holidays and everything else. And you've recently released your umpteenth album, I guess, radio waves. Mm-hmm. which is uh, which is kind of neat. I said that, that's a collection of older live in-studio tracks, it says. So that's like you're schlepping around a radio station after radio station doing your promotion for whatever mm-hmm. album it was over the years. And these are the songs that were recorded like in the studio with, you know, the hosts that are on the radio. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I was like so many people, I was stuck at home during the pandemic. And so I did a lot of cleaning um, and I cleaned out closets and, and in the back of this one closet, I found boxes and boxes and, and, you know, opened them up and there were CDs and cassettes and audio files and, you know, all kinds of things. And many of them, 
um, had been from these radio station performances, like you say. Some of them were rehearsals, some of them were live gigs, but a lot of them were from these radio station performances. And so being as I had nothing else to do, I sat and went through all these boxes and listened to a lot of these this material. And, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of songs um, and rather, and I was like, well, if I can't go out and play live shows, maybe I can release some of this music out there. Uh, I didn't want to just do some enormous dump of hundreds of songs. So we decided to winnow it down to just one album's worth for now. And hopefully a lot more of this material will come out in the future. But that's what Radio Waves is. And and as you say, it was recorded in these radio stations. So a lot of the audio is super high quality. Yeah, that's I, I mean, it also really speaks to the timelessness of music um, because mm. because I mean, I mean, we can listen to something that's hundreds of years old and, and appreciate it and, and really get into it today. But I mean, not just the 1990s when, you know, some of this stuff was recorded, but I mean, it really sort of speaks to the timelessness of music in general. Anyhow, I would think. Are we yeah, gonna- well, I, I mean, I I feel that way about it, too. And, and for me, it was kind of a a walk down memory lane to hear, you know, this is what I sounded like in the late eighties at a rehearsal space in the Lower East Side. And this is what I sounded like on, you know, at a radio station in 1997. And, and this is what I sounded like in a performance in Europe in 2000. And, you know, it was sort of, it was interesting for me to kind of hear it all in that, in one concentrated amount of time, this material that had been gathered over years and years of my career. Have you really changed your vocals? you think over the years? And how you sound? I mean, I, my voice certainly has changed its uh, just its timber. Like I, I have a richer sound in my voice now. Um, and I think I probably, you know, like many singers, like jazz singers, you know, you, you do it for so long, you start to see what you can leave out and you start to see how you can uh, sort of be more precise and get an emotional response and and connect with the emotion of the music without doing a lot of, you know, wailing and and acrobatics, you know, you can, you can get to it in a much subtler way. So I definitely feel that that's the difference, you know, now. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I have never seen you live and I'm sort of ashamed. Ah. I'm never ashamed to admit it, but I do have my ticket. Okay. All right. Well, I I, expect you to be there. I've I've got my ticket. Um, (laughs) And again, again, it's on November 10th at Ramshead on stage. But what can we expect out of the show when you come into town? Well, we're going to do a lot of the fan favorites from the Relish album from the mid-90s. We're going to do some stuff from a recent record, uh, Songs of Bob Dylan. Um, that's another one that the fans are always requesting. Everybody hates. Still- no, nobody likes Dylan. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because... Yeah, I, you know, I've had so many people come up to me after after we do these shows and we perform this Bob Dylan material, and you know, people will say, you know, I never really liked his voice so much and whatever, but I think I'm a fan now from hearing you sing these songs. I think it's a, you know, of course I'm not the only person who's covered Bob Dylan songs, but I think you know some people need to hear other people interpret his music in order to really get it. Um, and, and that's a comment that we've gotten a lot from, from our fans at the show. So that's, that's an interesting thing. I mean, I love Bob Dylan's voice and I go see him as as often as I can. Um, but it's definitely, he's like a, he's like an old, uh, gnarled tree, you know, his voice. It's, uh, it's not like a, 
a younger person's voice. So I guess it's a bit of an acquired taste for some people. For sure. For sure. Well, I'll tell you, you know, you've performed with some incredible people and headlined some incredible events. I mean, Lilith Fair, I mean, for, you know, for mm-hmm. crying out loud, uh, you've sung with, actually, I can use probably last names just for one name for all these, but Pavarotti, Dylan, Wonder, Patti Smith, Emmylou Harris, Isaac Hayes. Mm-hmm. I mean, who's not on that list? <laughs> who, who 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 needs to be on that list for, oh, wow. for, jo- for Joan Osborne to die very happy? Well, I mean, I'm not hoping to die anytime yeah. soon, but I feel pretty satisfied. Um, I don't think that there's like one outstanding person, but um, but sure. I mean, I would I would love to keep doing this and and uh, love to sing with a bunch of people. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Bjork. I don't know that I'll ever get a chance to sing with her. And I'm not sure what we'd even do together because our voices are so radically different, but you know, who knows? I wouldn't say no to it. Um, I, I love Lucinda Williams and, and I would love to sing with her. Uh, you know, there's, there's a number of people. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. I mean, when you, but you, boy, you've got some names in there, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, one of us was your largest hit to date for sure. And but your catalog is so much deeper than that uh, as you as you go through everything that you've gotten, certainly, as you said, hundreds of songs that are mm-hmm. coming out on uh, your your latest. But do you ever feel that one of us sort of eclipsed the other work? Um, I mean, I, I think it's, it, you know, if you were just a totally casual fan and you just listened to like the top 40 radio and that's all that you heard then yeah you could say that you know that was all that, that that's all that people know um but i think one of us really ended up being like a a doorway into the rest of the work and people bought the relish album maybe from hearing that one song but then they listened to the whole album and and you know ended up finding other songs that that were their favorites and ending up having a, a really deep connection with the record as a whole and uh, i've definitely had fans who, you know, started knowing about me from that song, but have continued to be fans and have bought every single record and have come to the live shows for decades since then. So I feel like it's, you know, I wouldn't say that it's overshadowed the rest of what I've done, but it's just served as a doorway into that. You ever get tired of playing it? Honestly, no. You know, it's, uh, I, I mean, I think if you, if you have one song that, is the song that you have to play every show. It's, it's a pretty good song. For, yeah. You know, it could be like some booty party song that you would get sick of right away, but it's not, it's a, it's a very interesting sentiment. It's a, it's an open-ended song. It's asking a question instead of telling you what you should think. It's asking you what you believe and asking you to search your own heart and mind. And every time we start it up, we get this sort of rush of excitement from the audiences and, you know, that's not a bad thing to show up at work and, and get every time. So not, um, not at all. Yeah. So I'm, I'm nothing but grateful. It's funny. I was speaking with uh, Ray Parker Jr. And I asked a sim- mm. similar question about Ghostbusters. And he, he says, you know, I do. And then the royalty check comes in at the end of the month and it's all bad. <laughs> it's all better. <laughs> yeah. And in his yacht in the, you know, the Mediterranean. Right. That right. Royalty check. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. But, but are, are, are you still up in New York? I mean, I know you moved from Kentucky. It was right. And to New York to, yeah. and went to, went to college and never left. You still up there? I am. Yes. What keeps you busy when you're not touring or in the studio? 
Well, I have a teenage daughter, so <laughs> that keeps me pretty busy. And uh, and I have an old farmhouse in the country, and there's always something that needs fixing. So, uh, so I've, I'm, I was just uh, hammering and screwing something into the wall before I talked to you ah. today. So, you know, so that's always uh, you know a, a lot of stuff on the to do list. And uh, I'm a big reader. I love to read. I'm still, you know, I, I went to school in in New York uh, as a film student, and I still love film, and I, I love to you know, go see films and, and watch documentaries. And, and so I love to do that. And, uh, you know, making time for my friends and my family and going back to Kentucky, seeing my family down there. Well, that's cool. Are you a turkey person for Thanksgiving or are you like one of those ham people? I mean, I'll have a little bit of both if you're having both, but, uh, <laughs> but I'll, I'll go with turkey. Yeah. <laughs> if I have to choose, I'll go with turkey. Well, I'll tell you, now you created your own record label and is that just to represent you or do you have other artists that are on that? It's really just more for for me. Yeah, I I did it back in 1991 um, when I was really just sort of starting out, and uh, we started playing not only in New York but all around the Northeast. And people would come up to us after the show and be like, "Hey, where's your record? I want to buy it." And I was like, "Oh, I don't really have one, so <laughs> I guess I better get on that." Um, so it was really just uh, in response to the fans wanting to have something to take home with them. That's amazing. Then and now you you still produce on that on that label, right? Yes, yes. So so I mean you we, you 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 own it and you owe nobody nothing. That's correct. And you know we will do distribution through other labels. Like this this latest one has come out on the Megaforce label, which you know became famous from for doing Metallica, but they also do a lot of other kinds of music. So they distribute it and get it into the stores. Um, but we're, you know, we do the actual production of the record and, and make the record. Very cool. Very cool. What's on your uh, iPods? They're, 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 that's that's old technology. What's on your iPhone playlist right now? Um, listening to a lot of Brazilian music, actually, like Brazilian music from the 60s, like uh, Gal Costa and, uh, you know, people like that. Um, and I'm not really sure why. I just am really drawn to it. So that's what's happening. I'm also listening to a lot of like classic um, jazz from the 50s and 60s, modern jazz quartet, uh, Miles Davis, uh, Ramsey Lewis, people like that. I'm, I'm listening to a lot of that stuff, too. Again, speaking to the timelessness of music. That's for sure. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, as we wrap up our time here, again, there are still a few tickets at ramsheadonstage.com. And Joan's show is Thursday, the 10th of November at 8 p.m. You can and should check out Joan's website. You've got merch and you've got all your uh, disc albums and everything else up there at joanosborne.com. And um, I guess just one last question for you, but with a dozen albums under your belt, um, I'm not going to ask for your favorite because that's like asking like your favorite kid, but you only, <laughs> you, you, only, you only have one. So that's an easy question for you. But uh, <laughs> but for whatever reason, whether it be personal, maybe it's the audience reaction or maybe it's just fun. What song never gets old for you when you get on stage and go, you know, this is it. This is why I do this. Gosh, well, I mean, it certainly changes, you know, from week to week and year to year. But I would have to say the song Spiderweb from the Relish album. It's always we always do it a little bit differently. And we always sort of use that as a moment to kind of explore and jam and um, and that for me keeps it very fresh and, uh, you know, I'll, I'm never exactly sure what I'm going to do. So, um, so I feel like that's the, the moment that I probably look forward to most in the show. 
Fantastic. Well, we are going to hear that on November 10th here with Joan Osborne in Annapolis and tickets again, ramsheadonstage.com. And Joan, thank you so much for taking some time out of your morning. I will let you get back to hammering and fixing whatever <laughs> whatever board it is that you've uh, <laughs> you've got to fix. But we're looking forward to seeing you in a couple of days. All right. Thank you so much, Joan. Take care. Right. Bye-bye.
has been a bonus podcast from Ion Annapolis. Please visit us at ionanapolis.net. Follow us on Facebook at All Annapolis and on Twitter at Ion Annapolis. And if you haven't subscribed to the Daily News Brief podcast, go for it. And all of your local news will be delivered to your phone, tablet, or smart device by 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday.